Hello, and welcome to Bachelor Therapy Hour. <laughs> oh my god, where did you get all this energy from? <laughs> I'm having a third wave. <laughs> I'm Sarah. Hold on, I gotta get my blood light. And I'm Joseph. Rose. And we are a pair of married mental health professionals hosting week. Um, therapy sessions to conceptualize all of the riveting interpersonal dynamics on each week's Bachelor franchise show. Welcome back. This wow. is our <laughs> this is our second episode of Bachelor Therapy Hour for the dual Bachelorette season, but we are covering episodes four and five because we are not good at managing our time. <laughs> <laughs> and we both just started new full-time jobs that are very um demanding and exhausting so that's the real reason <laughs> yeah just trying to acclimate to working 40 hours in a week yep not used to that <laughs> oh my gosh that's the most first world problems thing you've indeed indeed <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's dive in because it's late and um, some of us wake up at 5 a.m. So, uh, <laughs> so that's me. And Francis and Owen, they're always up. That's true. Um, all right, well, I'm ready to rock and roll. Just poured some rose. I have my favorite candle lit here. Um, any of you Bath and Body Works heads, you got to try Salted Ocean Air. Could not recommend more. <laughs> um <laughs> so Sarah likes it so much that she spent two hundred dollars. It was not like, two oh my god, it was two hundred dollars <laughs> on one single candle. Well not one, but like multiple of the same candle. Why so are you talking? No, you I was on. also involved in this. I am complicit, so we bought 10 of them, okay? <laughs> we have a good supply here. We were told um, it might go out of stock forever, and so we had to... Yeah, we had to support it a the cause. Bit. Yeah. So, yes, I would also say that it's the best candle that I've ever smelt. Smelt? Smelled? <laughs> smelled. It's the best candle that Joseph has ever sniffed in his life. Yes. Um, <laughs> He needed it's like, 10 of them. Speaking of like psychology. <laughs> just, we actually haven't been speaking of that it. That psychology, <laughs> that psychology thing. Um, that candle in particular, the scent is now like always associated with our office, which is like mm -hmm. a scholarly, mm -hmm. has a scholarly um, essence <laughs> to it. And so just like where the books reside. <laughs> yeah, where the books live. And that that smell is just like when you smell it, you're like, wow, you know. You can imagine like Oxford or like Harvard smells like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, famously, Harvard smells like salted ocean air. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, totally. I also have now an associative um, connection between this scent and feeling at home in our office um mm -hmm. and so i'm grateful for good, that good old classical conditioning <laughs> okay so 
um, actually, <laughs> I was about to say let's dive in, but then I was going to forget for the second consecutive episode a more um, serious, just important PSA that I meant to share last time um, that I think is important. So we'll just remind people um, the National Suicide Lifeline is now available 24-7 by simply dialing 988. Um, the 1-800 number, if people are familiar with that, um, that still works. It will take you to the same place. So if you have that documented somewhere, you're welcome to continue calling that number. But um, if you are a loved one or anyone ever finds themselves in crisis, we encourage you to dial 988. You can dial it from anywhere and you will be um, connected with mental health professionals anytime. Um, so I just want to share that. That's a, a really important advancement, I think, in our in our field and just for um, for everyone to have better access to mental health care um, anywhere, anytime. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Well, where would you like to start? We were in Paris in episode four. We were in Bruges in episode five. Um, yeah, where do you want to begin? <laughs> where would you like oh, to start man. today? Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's been let's... on your mind? <laughs> well, I guess... Rejection has come up once again. Um, and thinking about kind of the, although it kind of looks similar in reaction um, that Gabby and Rachel have, looks like they have similar reactions to rejection, but when you really think about it, it's not the same, <laughs> I guess. Um, and I think the um, <laughs> the reasons why they're having the reaction, I think, are 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 for are for different reasons. Um, and so, you know, rejection never feels good, obviously. But you know, thinking about what Gabby has shared and how much that could be rooted, in, her reaction is rooted in, you know, her her relationship or I uh, like lack thereof with her mother, mm -hmm. and when it comes to Rachel. You know, I really haven't gotten from her that she's had these significant ruptures or significant, um, you know, like attachment um, issues, I guess. Um, and we were talking a little bit earlier about this before um, today okay. and thinking about maybe Rachel's reaction is not so much like in response to the rejection itself, but what the rejection I guess reflects about her as like a bachelorette. Mm. Yeah. What do you think that she thinks? Yeah. So we were kind of talking about how, um, you know, she kind of has this idea in her mind that the bachelorette is, you know, has like power and, you know, mm -hmm. all, all the mm -hmm. contestants mm -hmm. are supposed to be, um, you know, vying for her attention and her um, affection. Mm -hmm. And in this case, that hasn't been the case. And so anytime that she's rejected or actually <laughs> people switch <laughs> switch teams, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's like reflects poorly on her as like, I'm not doing this role right. It's not so much like, eh, you know, there is some of like, people don't want to be with me, but I, I think it's more, or at least not fully 
people I'm unlovable. It's more of like I'm screwing this up too. Yeah, I'm a failure. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Exactly. Whereas with Gabby, I don't think she's so much concerned about how she looks as a bachelorette. I mean, there's some there, but it's more of, you know, this is like really hitting something really deep for her. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I guess two thoughts came up for me as you were um, uh, sharing that. The first is that there was that really sad moment where Rachel said, like, I feel more rejected now um, than I did as a contestant on Mm -hmm. Clayton's season of The Bachelor. Yep. Um, Which, first of all, I thought was interesting um, that she even called it, like, Clayton's season of The Bachelor. (laughs) Um, And I'm surprised that they aired it that way um, because I thought that did lend... That did make me think of what you were sharing um, the second part, where she is concerned with the optics of like how yeah, yeah. she is doing as the bachelorette and like how this is being perceived by the public and that it is a show and that there are expectations for how people perform and what kind of like the beats of the show typically are and what the power dynamics are supposed to be and those being <laughs> yeah. upended i think is really distressing to her as someone who wants to get it right and like yeah, do well yeah. at something. And I think is somebody who frequently in her life does succeed at things mm-hmm. that she yeah. wants to achieve. And so um, I think that was really interesting. And also um, when she was talking about Clayton, I thought well, that's interesting because right in, in that situation, she was vying against, you know, 25 other women or something, but <clears throat> she was always being chosen and she was yeah. always, being validated, her feelings and her affection were reciprocated to the point where it almost felt unfair toward the end because he was so, um, you know, affectionate and forward toward her and and saying, I love you and all of these things that of course she felt really secure in that relationship and probably in her status as like the winner. Like I think she probably perceived herself as a front runner all season. and felt as if she were in control as somebody who was going to like have this fairy tale narrative um and then coming from that into the situation where she's supposed to be the one who is the object of affection and desire and the woman in control and having that kind of flipped on its head you could see how that's so disorienting and disturbing and as you were saying like you know, you can see in her, I think, some very relatable kind of perfectionistic tendencies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of oh, yeah. someone who wants to succeed, wants to do well, wants to impress other people. Yeah. Um, well, and you know, having that challenge, like that is the piece of the rejection, I think, that is really um, that's like touching her in a um, in a way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unlike, you know thinking about seasons way in the past like being the bachelor or the bachelorette it's like there's so much like writing on your quote-unquote performance right like mm-hmm. how your season goes like how you mm-hmm. know the rea- the reaction people have on social media it can really affect mm. like future sponsorships or roles in this you know in this in the um in the series or you know just a bunch of other things that like you know, that wasn't, I can imagine that wasn't a pressure or pressures that 
previous, you know, thinking mm-hmm. years past um, wasn't there. And so, yeah, I can see that being uh, the case for, you know, both of them, you know, wanting to get it as right as possible and performing, you know, well, and because that really could make a difference on, you know, fut- their future career and, mm-hmm. you know, the future livelihood. Um, so there's that. But I also think kind of, you know, as we're talking about Rachel and kind of this maybe wanting to get it right kind of thing, it's really, to me at least, it's it's impacting her, um, like she's losing sight of the actual reason she's there and it's ultimately mm. to find, well, hopefully someone she's going to be engaged to or maybe become her husband. And I think she's being kind of blinded, um, you know, by wanting to, you know, perform well to put on this, um, this act, I guess. Yeah, I completely agree. I think to your earlier point about her being really concerned with getting it right, you can tell that our therapist stand-in, Jesse, is attuned to that um, insecurity in her because the talk that he gives her is, you know, there is no playbook for this. You can't do everything right. I wish I could tell you what to do, but there's no right way to do this. Um, and, And that doesn't, I couldn't tell if that was actually reassuring to her or not. In some ways you could see that validating her mm-hmm. fear of like, oh no, that must mean I am not doing something right. Yeah. Um, rather than kind of taking comfort in other people have been here and you know, it's okay if things go off script a little bit. Um, yeah. But I think as we talked about last episode, having that comparison with Gabby where, well, this isn't happening to Gabby. So what is she doing right that I'm doing wrong? Mm-hmm. That can really get in your head. Um, yeah. And then, um, oh gosh, I was going to say something else, but um, our cats were about to start fighting, but I think they're okay. So I got distracted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, something to your, to your point about um, struggling with the rejection piece being more related to kind of, the optics and getting something right. Um, oh yes, I do remember what I was going to say. Wow, just keep rambling until it comes back to you. Um, there you go. I think an example of that is um, when we see her really upset over Logan, right? I think it's a fair reaction as a viewer to think, you're crying over Logan? You were never going to marry Logan, right? Like we yeah. know that he wasn't your choice. Yep. But it's not really about that. It's not I'm heartbroken because this is a person I saw myself with. It was another I'm, rejection that makes me look bad. Yeah, I'm heartbroken because this must be representative of something that I'm not doing as well as the other person or mm-hmm. a reflection of me failing in this role. Yep. Um and so you can see how also when you start getting into those thinking patterns, you start generalizing too. Like if he thinks this way and the guy last week thought this way and someone else, they must all feel this way. It just, and then you see her later at the cocktail party saying like, I, you know, I have to be honest, I'm expecting them all to leave. And now, so now mm-hmm. she's kind of catastrophizing and yeah. um, generalizing from Logan's reaction that all of the men feel um, insecure in their, you know, 
relationship with her or don't see her as desirable. Um, and of course, that is a very, very um, difficult thing to sit with. Yeah. Do you think maybe because of the role that she's in and all the pressures and stressors involved, do you think like maybe some defenses she maybe used before that, you know, helps us or help would help her to, I don't know, just kind of manage or deal with rejection. Do you think those are like have are failing or I don't, I don't know failing is the right word, but kind of like have broken down um, mm. potentially. Are you thinking of something in particular? <laughs> um, like, you know, some people when they get rejected, um, a defense would be like, uh, you know, like a, almost like a narcissistic defense, like, oh, I was too good for them. Or mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's um, what I was thinking too. Another one would be they didn't like, deserve me anyway. Exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. they didn't deserve me. Or another one would be like, uh, well, like distraction, just like <laughs> move on. But like, mm-hmm. they can't really do that when you're that that role um let's see what else could there be um sublimation yeah yeah exactly take it out on somebody else or yeah yeah um, i don't know i just get the sense that like this is such a stressful role um that anything that you used to do to manage you know rejection mm -hmm. feeling bad about yourself thinking negative things about yourself are kind of just really um yeah just have like broken down um, and that's why you yeah. see like these like strong reactions that from an outsider's perspective like what 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 like you know maybe yeah. i don't know maybe that's what's going on too to some extent well and you know that makes me think of our conversation earlier we were having dinner which was not related to the bachelor at all um but we were just talking about the the power and importance of our social networks and mm -hmm. our support systems um, and of course, making us feel less alone, um, making us, you know, feel a sense of belonging um, and having a place in the world and also just helping to ground us, right? Like when we have people who we're close to and we can share our fears with, they become less powerful because they're mm -hmm. not trapped within us and we feel isolated and alienated in our thoughts thinking I'm the only one who must feel this way. Yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. I think that's what's been so um, really powerful to see when they do allow Gabby and Rachel to connect and share some of their insecurities with each other and build each other back up and make each other feel seen and validated also in how difficult this process is. And I think it's it's been certainly a detriment to Rachel that she's been really isolated because I think that's how those thought spirals kind of get out of control. Um, yeah. And you start kind of believing that this must be something intrinsic in you that's wrong or mm -hmm. um, damaged in some way. Mm -hmm. And that's why people yeah. are reacting to you in this way. Where if she had her girlfriend there, they'd be like, Rachel, what are you talking about? Or, you know, we've all been rejected. Yeah. And, and they could kind of even use some of those defenses with you. Like, Logan, he's a goon. Don't even worry about it. Like, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really great point that, you know, we use might not be the right word but like yeah in a way we kind of use other people to like you said help regulate ourselves to organize our thoughts organize our minds mm -hmm. um and when we don't have that everything just becomes disorganized and difficult to track and feels really overwhelming and um 
yeah, like she doesn't have a lot of that. <laughs> a lot of that. I mean, she has Gabby, which is, I guess, different than any other <laughs> bachelorette because there's never been a t- well i guess there has been two before we've talked about that a little bit but um <laughs> we'll leave for one night though she we'll didn't even make it till the next yeah, morning but yeah <laughs> even still i don't know if that's enough and especially when it got kind of weird with like this competition as we talked about before that kind of kind of creeped up on them um it wasn't expected but it, it did um so yeah i think mm-hmm. not really having a lot of people probably to to really think things through you know, just the stress just kind of breaks it all down and things that would be able to easily shrug off or exactly, you know, let it bounce off. You're not bouncing off anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's one of the fundamental powers of therapy, right? Is just sharing your thoughts with someone and having someone like letting someone into your um, innermost thoughts and feelings and desires and motivations um, there's something so powerful in just being seen and accepted in that way. Yeah. Um, regardless mm-hmm. of intervention, it's just knowing that somebody else has heard you and they see you and accept you and they're not running away. Right? <laughs> they're sitting there with you. Um, that is yep. so powerful. And unfortunately for Rachel, she's like siloed in this cabin in a cavernous boat, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> doing on these rejections with nobody like she's unmoored not to continue with the boat metaphors but um (laughs) and i think probably in the past to your point about defenses i think she's also had support systems that she could rely on um that help and to your earlier point about attachment too when you have secure attachments you also just feel more comfortable um in being able to weather um Mm -hmm anything that kind of comes your way because you know that people are with you people accept you things feel less scary less daunting and when you're Mm -hmm. isolated from those systems all of a sudden they feel just so much scarier and bigger and i'm sure i mean i can think of so many different examples of this in my own life Um, Mm -hmm. yep yep i also see it um with you know life transitions like coming to college Mm-hmm. things like that yeah definitely <sighs> poor hmm. rachel what did you think about gabby so after rachel and gabby kind of have that discussion where rachel does get a, a chance to share how humiliated she felt which i feel like must have been a kind of powerful release <laughs> because again, sometimes we're so ashamed of emotions that we feel, especially embarrassment um, or even shame itself, um, that it, it's also really cathartic to just share that with somebody else, right? Have another human hear that and say, oh, I've been there. I, you know, I feel that. Um, but then Gabby ends up keeping Logan, yeah. despite knowing that he's the one who's kind of put her in this low place um what did you make of that Hmm. so gabby chose him over people she well at least appeared had a decent connection with especially like someone like mario Mm -hmm. um 
And Definitely so, the earliest we've seen a yeah, impression rose winner yeah. exit in a long time. So for her yeah. to choose Logan, who she probably hadn't seen in a while, hadn't had any mm-hmm. like interactions with um mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that in, in that case it seems just more of like a physical attraction and like that just like outweighing Mm. you know any other connections she had and just like seeing if she can maybe build that connection that like more of an emotional connection more like the physical outweighed Mm -hmm. the emotional connection she had with other people and Mm -hmm. taking her chances that way um that's kind of my read on it i don't know what your your thoughts are on it yeah i think as you were just sharing that made me think that maybe this speaks to actually the power and resilience of Gabby and Rachel's friendship, because Gabby knows that their friendship can endure something yeah, like this, yeah. mm-hmm. um, of having a guy reject Rachel and Rachel being like accepting that Gabby is still going to pursue him. Um, yeah. Because I think a, a more delicate friendship, um, maybe someone would just not touch it right and be like you know what this is going to cause a rupture with my friend i'm just not even going to go there um but i think gabby and rachel had been through so much already together that gabby is confident that their relationship can withstand whatever comes of this um decision and and, and it makes me think a lot of um some of the foundations of interpersonal oriented therapy in which kind of the therapist becomes a stand-in for that attachment figure and part of the therapy is learning that relationships can tolerate conflict Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. rupture and that so much growth comes from the repair of the rupture i think we've talked about this on the podcast before in previous seasons um and that you know we grow from those conflicts and from learning that people don't always run away just because we've done something that they don't like um or that we can say hard things or withstand hard moments together um and learn from them and grow from them and still be there the next week right um and then hopefully that becomes a template that people can apply more broadly in their relationships Mm -hmm. outside of that but i think gabby and rachel are a really good example of a relationship like that yeah yeah i think it really reflects a a maturity um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in both of them psychologically speaking Mm -hmm. um it kind of reminds me (laughs) this is kind (laughs) of kind of silly but (laughs) where are we uh, going (laughs) uh, you know your boy grew up in texas Mm -hmm. near a bunch of rural areas and um you know had some some time in in rural areas and you know when you spend time there you you hear you hear stories about you know a couple families you know all dating each other and you go to like thanksgiving and <laughs> this new couple is like oh they dated this other person this person dated this other person this person mm-hmm. dated all, and they all mm-hmm. just like getting along like just kind like, of small town yeah it's kind of small antics. town thing and just like mm-hmm. all of them are like seemed fine mm-hmm. <laughs> with them like all just like knowing they all like dated each other or mm-hmm, you know were married mm-hmm. maybe at one point and it's like you know like you see them and i remember just like, like relationships younger. can evolve <laughs> yeah exactly i just remember when i was like younger being like how the heck like are people doing this like like yeah. you know when <laughs> me being immature me just like i would be mad or whatever right <laughs> and, and like, maybe now, they were for a while and they yeah, were able maybe. to work through it eventually maybe yeah so like yeah kind of 
as you're talking about Rachel and, and um, Gabby were like knowing that they could survive that. Um, say she were to end up with Logan, like their friendship would probably remain. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of remind me of that. It's like you go to these events or whatever and you're like, oh, these people all dated each other or like married and right, they're all just right. like getting along and drinking with each other and, you know, <laughs> eating turkey or whatever. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that's my, that's well, my you... uh, comparison there. <laughs> Sounds like a fun party. Um <laughs> 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 drink for everyone in this room that you've been with at some point oh my god <laughs> just kidding um actually that leads me to another thing i want to talk to you about which is tino because as you were describing that like oh i would be mad or i might you, you know i think yeah. everyone is entitled to their feelings in the moment sure. right but then yeah. what you do with those feelings later Another and story. how you respond <laughs> yeah. maybe speaks to how well you can regulate kind of your... self-regulate exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah what kind of mastery you have over <laughs> your own emotional experience and tino <laughs> does not you know the the people in your example are able to get over insults such as you're dating my ex-wife or whatever yeah, it might jealousy, be jealousy right jealousy embarrassment mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. um and like unclear boundaries all of those mm -hmm. things that can yeah, get yeah. really complicated to navigate yep. mm -hmm. and tino <laughs> um i'm laughing because it's so uncomfortable it really made me nervous <laughs> watching this um when you know, Rachel, this is not heading in the in a good positive direction. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, when Rachel is upset over feeling rejected by Logan, not feeling rejected, like she actually was. She Although I have to rejected. I have to say Logan handled it more gracefully than I expected. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he was upfront and honest. He did not insult her, of course. That would be terrible. But um, but I also think rough Ra around the edges. Right. I also thought Rachel handled it well in when mm -hmm. he was trying to pile on the compliments at the end unnecessarily. She was like, enough, I get it. Like, you don't, yeah. don't do You this. don't need to do Insulting. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think he framed it in a way that um, was sensible. Um, yeah, I think he did. Uh, I mean, did, probably did it better than I would have. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we saw, he was preparing for this for a long time yeah he had a lot of time to think he was staring through. into mirrors practicing yeah, his monologues yeah. scheming <laughs> so i wouldn't get a little slimy credit. but yeah <laughs> but anyway as rachel is kind of recovering from this insult um the men are upset because they don't get to wrestle in chocolate or whatever their date was supposed to be and was that mud or chocolate I think it was chocolate because Belgian okay. chocolate. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, shout out to family members of mine who are from Belgium and uh, bring back chocolates and they're amazing. Um, anyway, Tino uh, frames this as, you know, I know the other guys are just trying to build her back up and that's nice but this is my future wife and she, you know, deprived me of time with her and <laughs> that I am entitled to having had yeah. one date with her. Um, right. And then 
I think what was so, what's the right word? Alarming about troubling. it? Troubling. <laughs> troubling. That's a better, yeah. that's, a, yeah, yeah. What was troubling about it was seeing him then turn this around and use mm -hmm. this kind of psycho babble jargon to yeah. say, like, I didn't feel seen by you in yep. this way that makes up, that ends up with her kind of apologizing and groveling and as right as if she's done something to him yeah when he doesn't even acknowledge anything that she was going through it was like <laughs> maybe you she know did this for a reason <laughs> that <laughs> right. wasn't like a direct like to hurt you <laughs> yeah and then having her reward him for sharing his feelings without ever acknowledging her feelings and also somehow making her like making everything about him as if she needs to be always thinking about how everything she does will affect Tino and no one else. Um, and I guess, what was your read on this? Because clearly I found it troubling. Um, it kind of like felt like gaslighting kind of a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Just like, yeah just like made her see the situation in a very different way than maybe she originally saw it like it was a she canceled it because she needed time to recover and you know was really going through it and then after mm -hmm. her conversation with him was like oh like yeah this really hurt you guys like <laughs> it's or like, like in that moment when hurt. i was crying i should yeah. have thought about well how will this affect yeah, Tino? Exactly. And it's like, <laughs> you know, like she has a right to do what she did. And exactly. And the guys have a right to feel upset about it, but mm -hmm. like to tell her that her actions, <laughs> like, I don't know. It seemed like he was kind of like <sighs> exaggerating is maybe not the right word, but I don't know. Just like it felt like a little overplayed i don't know mm -hmm. like he took that opportunity to like use it as a way to like make her feel bad and like and then yeah. also like make her feel like she owed him yeah yeah some, exactly like, there we debt go that had to be repaid <laughs> yeah there you like, go like you exactly. deprived me yep. of this time yep. and now yep. i need it back because you wronged me in some way um, exactly yeah that's a great way of putting it yeah, I think that was very, made me feel pretty uneasy about, um, especially if you're feeling that kind of possessive and entitled mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> at this point in the process. Yeah. yeah. That is a little bit alarming. And, you know, when we were watching the episode, we paused a little bit and we were talking about, you know, I think one of the things that can be, you know, actually scary about the way that this franchise is, you know, produce and exists in the world is that you don't get the opportunity to see these yep. men or explore these relationships in anything but these kind of contrived situations exactly and what if tino is like a type of guy who when you go out to a bar won't let you talk to anybody and you know gets aggressive you... when somebody comes up to say hi yeah. and or... you're going to be a public figure now and you're going to have a lot of attention yeah. and um, doesn't let you go out with your friends exactly like yeah right and we're not 
you know, we're not saying that like, we're not alleging anything about Tino, um, but it does feel like some of those patterns make me feel uneasy watching it. And also yep. it just makes me uneasy that Rachel does not, she only sees what Tino is presenting to her, which mm -hmm. is, I'm feeling vulnerable because I wish I had more time with you. Meanwhile, he's telling the camera, like, you know, she, this is my future wife and, and all these yeah. things that are just feeling a little bit, yeah, possessive, I think. Yeah, definitely has flavors of it. Um, I, and, you know, we saw the um, previews, mm -hmm. I think maybe for, I don't know if they exactly the next episode, but maybe the next few episodes of him kind of, I don't know, intensifying some of his, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. his like attempts to control her or to like. Yeah. And I think like, that something yeah. that's happened in the past couple of seasons that has really like intensified this potential problem is that there's become this like system where the ultimate like the ultimate um display of affection is vulnerability yeah like the currency of the show somehow has become quote-unquote vulnerability jumping. yes and so like you have to be open tell me how you feel the more emotional the better yep and so you know tell me all your traumas not yeah not only that but then i think rachel may feel kind of um like she's been asking them all to be open and vulnerable so when tino says i was upset she may feel obligated to reward that behavior yep, yep. <laughs> um it's but like, then they're better left <laughs> unsaid <laughs> yeah but then you get into this bind where um yeah. you know you could be rewarding kind of bad behavior and manipulative behavior or you don't know yeah. like where you know um as we said like everyone's entitled to feel a certain way but it's about like how do you regulate yep. in social situations and if you're not able to do that we shouldn't be rewarding that right <laughs> yep. i'm not articulating this well but i feel like this has become an issue in the show mm -hmm. where because the the currency is vulnerability right then everyone goes on a date and shares as you said kind of trauma dumps and then someone feels obligated to reward that with a romantic gesture like giving them a rose yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um this gets to i don't want to move on too quickly but it just kind of reminds mm -hmm. me of something we were talking about earlier of like do you think there's a difference between gabby how gabby presents and rachel presents and how comfortable the men feel um, or at least it looks like Phil sharing, opening up, being quote unquote vulnerable, um, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's been an interesting dynamic, at least in the past two episodes or so, because Rachel's been kind of, for lack of a better term, like beat down so much that I feel like the men are like feeling like they have to keep it light. They need to build her back up. Everyone except yeah. for Tino, who's like, screw that. <laughs> this yeah. is about my feelings. <laughs> um, yep. But I do feel like perhaps, especially the guys who actually really genuinely do have a good connection with her. I think they, you know, maybe I'm 
this may be inaccurate, but I could see somebody kind of feel like they're walking on eggshells a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. we don't want to upset her again. Let's just, you know, keep yeah. it light, keep it comfortable. Um, keep let's it get fun. through this week. Yeah, exactly. And then we can go deeper later, but like we can't, <laughs> we can't upset her again, right? And that's not to say that she's becoming too upset or that she's like, you know, uh, a Debbie Downer type personality. She's not. Um, I think yeah. production is trying to exploit all of her insecurities. <laughs> uh, um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that is having a real time effect on her relationships. And then yep. that it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy because then mm -hmm. she feels like, oh, these guys are not serious enough they're not diving yep. deep with me mm -hmm. everything's surface level and so she becomes more in her head about how there must be something yep. wrong with her and she's not able to connect yep. more deeply yep. um, and then also she's like canceling dates and you know group mm -hmm. dates or whatever or is that cocktail party whatever it was mm -hmm. you know also just like yeah just kind of like confronting the men here and there about like <laughs> their lack of engagement, stuff like that. It's like that I get it, but also it hurts your relationships with these guys. Like that's like you said, it maybe puts people on edge, like not sure mm -hmm. how they should be reacting. Maybe like holding back from sharing anything that's like, you know, could be potentially upsetting to her. You know, it's like, like you said, just kind of keep it light, keep it fun. And she's just kind of interpreting that more as like, they're, they don't want to be, be with me they're not willing to be vulnerable with me um so yeah yeah and i think this is a perfect segue too into talking about the um prevalence of discussion of therapy on the show this season which has been very exciting because <laughs> to your point i think gabby because she's so open about what she's been through i think her insecurity was because i've been through you know, feeling unloved by my mother and the estrangement within my family and, you know, all of this kind of um, attachment insecurity that we talked about last episode. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think she perceives that like men won't love me because I feel unlovable. When yeah. in reality, I think she feels really approachable to people, that people feel comfortable sharing their own yeah. struggles because she's so open about her experiences. Uh -huh. And as a result, we get these really compelling um, narratives from her men on one-on-ones talking openly about their insecurities, their experiences with depression and anxiety, mm -hmm. um, yep. things that they've worked on in therapy. We got an inner child work <laughs> mention, a specific therapeutic modality. Fascinating. Um, not from the mm -hmm. clinical psych world, by the way, that's not something that we use, but, um, we could talk about that anyway. Um, but that was wonderful. Just, you know, have someone speak very specifically about things that have helped them kind of, um, you know, in, in her child work, it's like reparent themselves and yeah, yeah. Um, kind of attend to needs that were unmet in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so wonderful because I think in the past on the show, we've heard, as you said, some trauma dumping and no real resolution to that trauma. No, yeah. no indication that it's okay for them to actually seek help and work through it mm -hmm. and um you know even in trauma work we talk about like the trauma recovery process and like post-traumatic growth and jason for one speaks really eloquently about well really gabby spoke even more eloquently about how therapy has helped them kind of 
work through issues that they face in their lives and how, you know, they found it really helpful in their coping. And um, Johnny this week spoke about his struggles with depression, anxiety, and feeling like he hasn't felt comfortable yet, like seeking help. And I think mm -hmm. that was really powerful to see too, like <clears throat> that in-between phase of acknowledging that something doesn't feel right. And maybe it's time to seek help. That was really powerful yeah. to see on screen. Yeah. That really probably resonates with a lot of people who are struggling. Mm -hmm. It's like there's that ambivalence a lot of the time. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's when we think about the stages of change, that's usually what like kind of contemplation, like something's off here. Not mm -hmm. quite sure maybe what it is. Maybe I could do something about it. Maybe it won't help, you know, also like time, money, you know, all these other factors that you can kind of use to weigh against going to therapy. And it's like, yeah, that really resonates with a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it was great to see that being shown and um yeah it just kind of like normalizes that because i think a lot of people don't really talk about that ambivalence about going yeah i think the normalization piece is key because also i think something that was powerful about jason's story was there was not something horribly traumatic that happened right in the past i remember ben's story um about his suicide attempt or we've heard people struggle you know loss of a sibling or a parent um things like that a spouse they're so traumatic that it's like of course now you know you've been to therapy um and that's that's so important right but jason talks about like you know just kind of <clears throat> moving through different phases of life and not really knowing where he fits in and mm -hmm. letting go of interests of his and how he sought therapy for that. And that was helpful. And I think that also really helps normalize the process. Like something ha doesn't have to go like horrifically wrong in your life to seek therapy either. Right. Like you yeah. don't have to get to the point of contemplating suicide to seek help. You can just yeah. feel like something is wrong. Like as, as Johnny said too, like I was just feeling down a lot of the time and i didn't know why yep. um i mean life is traumatic enough as it is <laughs> right right without like significant trauma <laughs> mm -hmm. right so yeah yeah and i think gabby is like the perfect person to receive that because she also is so good at meeting people where they're at right like she's not somebody who's gonna like one up you and be like yeah well actually you know here's yeah. something in my life that's worse she'll just you know, relate to you. And I think yeah, she, as we were talking about earlier, connection or, you know, exactly. And that gives you a sense of like feeling seen and understood that mm -hmm. is so powerful. Yeah. Um, and I feel like she creates that space for the people that she's dating. And um, yeah, I think that that's something so wonderful. I hope that she is aware of that about herself. Cause I think she's probably helped so many people in her life by just hearing them and, seeing them and relating to them and connecting with them. Yeah. I want to be Gabby's friend. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like all of America is Gabby's friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rachel too. Rachel seems great. Um, she's just not having a good time right now. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, she's struggling, but <laughs> fingers crossed things things work out for her um so i guess with that predictions 
based on what we've seen so far? Hmm, like top contenders or maybe like who's going to hometowns? Who's going to hometowns? Okay, I can start I with that. Okay, uh, who do you want to start with, Rachel? Sure. Okay, well, obviously Tino, Aiden, okay. who we okay. didn't talk about but had a one-on-one -on -one this week. Okay. Um, they just seem to have a really easy connection, which I think she really needed. Um, and he is just like, I'm speechless how handsome he is. <laughs> I'm literally at a loss for words to describe how handsome he is. <laughs> My brain just sputtered out, stopped. <laughs> Trying to come up with a word that would like <laughs> that's worthy of capture his. <laughs> yeah. Avon's beauty and with words. Exactly, it's like a Shakespeare. I need a Shakespearean sonnet to describe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he looks like um. So I think Tino Avon for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, who else do we have left on her side? Um, Tyler. I mm -hmm. think he's. Not gonna Maybe. make it past that point, but I think he might make it there. He's very okay. sweet, he's very well intentioned. He's yeah. very, I think, you know, speaking to her kind of like insecurities, he is definitely there for the right reasons. And he's a guy who is like, I want to get married and buy my yeah. wife a house and yeah. take care of children, which is very wholesome and lovely for him. I don't know if Rachel is the perfect fit for that <laughs> and for yeah. him, but. He certainly is, you know, along for the ride. He's giving it a try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Who else is on Rachel's side? Uh, let me grab the roster that Carrie Bond <laughs> shared with us in paper form. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she printed out for people who are familiar with Bachelor data. Um, they run a bunch of analytics on The Bachelor, and they have a viewing guide. Um, All right. Let's see who we got here. We have Avon, Ethan. Yep. Uh, Meatball is gone. Oh, Zach! That's who I'm forgetting. He's Logan, the, a big one. Mouse Switch, Tino, Tyler, and Zach. Zach. So my top Zach. three are yeah, Avon, Zach, and Tino. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And when it comes to Gabby, okay. what do you got? I'm going with Nate, Jason, and I think it's a toss-up between Eric and Logan. Ooh, yeah. Also, Dark Horse Johnny to round out Johnny, like a top Johnny, four. Johnny. But... Let's see. Okay. Uh, I think Nate for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Jason, and I think it could be, yeah, yeah, I think it could be between Eric and, um, probably Johnny. Yeah, either Johnny, maybe Spencer. We'll yeah, see how that develops. I don't mm -hmm. know. The only thing I know about Spencer is they had that um, discussion about being from military families. Yeah, Spencer's yeah. in the military and Gabby's dad, I guess, was in the military. 
Yeah. Um, but it didn't seem like they had much of like a romantic spark. But I think she just appreciated yeah. he's a good guy, he's good yeah. looking. Like I'm mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. Um but I don't know that they have that spark between them. Yeah. Yeah, I think Nate, Jason, and Eric might be. Mm. Yeah, but definitely uh seems like there could be uh some competition between Eric and Johnny for the third spot. Actually, Logan, too, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, listeners, <laughs> don't hold us to this. <laughs> I will. I'll hold it to us. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to mean, but... We have a very poor track record with predictions on this show. <laughs> there was one season we did all right. I forget which season it was. Yeah. Was it Michelle's season? What if two... No, it was Clayton's season that we did all right. Oh, we get, we yeah, guess, sure. I think Gabby, yeah, Rachel, yeah. and um, Susie. I think. Okay, could between be. Michelle, okay, could we have two seasons of The Bachelorette in a row where a Nate wins? <laughs> <laughs> and then break up? Yeah. Oh, sad. I think the fact that Gabby went on a group date and specifically chose a souvenir for. Nate's Ooh, daughter yeah, that and that was, was big. that was yeah, big that was big for sure like yeah. those little things where you show someone you were thinking of them even when you are kind of obligated to interact with everyone i feel like those are yeah really important yeah you know not to open up too much of a can of worms i guess i don't know <laughs> um because we're probably around the end of our session today um but yeah we saw in the previews that it's going to come up that gabby's gonna obviously have some some difficulties with ending up with nate because of the potential to be a, a stepmom yeah yeah we'll definitely have to talk about that and i think that'll be for future so. for another episode when that comes more to a head but yeah. yeah, given her history with her mom and then, you know, her being, well, if she ends up with Nate, I mean, yeah, you'd probably be a stepmom. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, that'll, that'll be, that'll be something yeah. for us to chat about. Yeah, and I think she has really deep-rooted fears that she might not have that kind of innate maternal yeah. instinct, whether yeah. or not that's real construct we can talk about then but i think sure. that that seems to be where her, her yep. fear is coming from um so yeah well how do you feel at the end of today's session <laughs> um yeah just rachel's really going through it um <laughs> in these recent That's episodes how you feel. <laughs> Yeah, I feel I feel like Rachel. I've been going through it. Um, <laughs> That's what we call avoidance. He's avoiding sharing his own feelings. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel I don't feel as hopeful as I would like to feel mm. about this season. Like mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. came into the season. I don't know. I felt like more hopeful about them uh -huh. both ending up with somebody and at this point it doesn't feel like both of them will 
maybe only one or maybe none. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like a gut feeling and obviously it could be way off and <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm just having a moment where I'm like, wow, you just, I think identified something that I've been feeling and wasn't able to name <laughs> that the, the it's entertaining has, to has... watch. Don't get me wrong. This, this right, season has but been it's... entertaining, but on the other hand, it's like you want them to find somebody to. Right. It's like that's why we're all here, right? Yeah, it's like that's supposed to be the point. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not as optimistic as I would like to be. Yeah. Right, Owen. Owen's here with me. Oh yeah, he came downstairs. Um, well, if anyone's still listening, thank you for sticking with us through a very loosey goosey <laughs> little episode here. Um, it's time for us to retire for the evening, but thank you for sticking with us. We'll hopefully be back soon. And until then, keep processing. Woo! <laughs>